the second somebody gets out their wallet, second somebody gets out their credit card, there is a, a fundamental relationship shift that has taken place. They're no longer just a fan. They're no longer just a consumer of content. They're now a customer. They're now a client. And that shift is really important. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's gonna get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you wanna get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www businesslunchpodcast.com and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. Hey everybody, Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice with another episode of the Business Lunch Podcast where we are going to follow up on the conversation we had about the book launch of my book with Jay Abraham, Business Wealth Without Risk, which happened recently. We broke down everything on the last podcast. This one, we are going to talk about how Ryan is approaching the launch of Get Scalable. And funnily enough, neither Business Wealth Without Risk nor uh, Get Scalable, which is Ryan's book, was written by us together, despite the fact that we all talk about all of these things all the time. And we talked about why last time. We'll talk about why on this one as well, and um, and then break down kind of what you're doing. So Ryan, why the heck didn't I get to write this book with you? Yeah, it's because you add no value and I'm just not, I just don't care for you very much. I, I get that a lot. That makes sense. At all. Like, that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, uh, at all. No, I mean, in this particular case, uh, a lot of this is trying to do things simultaneously rather than sequentially, Yeah. you know, right? And so um, it is one of those, it is one of those pieces where it's like, okay, you're going to work on, uh, you're going to work on this book that you're doing with Jay. I'm going to work on this book that I'm doing, you know, that I'm doing over here and Let's get these both done at the, you know, on around the same time. Whereas I think if we tried to write a book together, uh, we both would have been very kind of precious with it. We both would have taken a long time. Um, my delays would have been at different times in your delays. And my guess is by this point, we would have had zero books. Whereas right now we have two. Which, um, and which, I think is, cool, this, which is cool because we actually have been trying to write a book for, I don't know how many years now that is both of us, that is kind of semi done, but actually during the time that we just talked about this last week, the, during the time that we've been writing it, we kind of decided to do everything differently. And so all of the effort and expense that went into writing that one, it's kind of just not going to ever be released. And, um, and I mentioned last time I wrote with Jay to, to get access to other markets, but also you guys, when you're in partnership with people, you don't have to do everything together. Ryan, this was, um, uh, if not exclusively, primarily all of Ryan's thoughts and ideas about business operating system. And he may bounce things off of me just like he does thousands of other people, but it's really his work. And so it makes sense when it's your work for it to be just you. Don't slap your name on it unless there's extra value to be gotten from it. And also beware trying to write one together when you both have busy schedules and you have one that just doesn't ever come out. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, in the same way that I didn't care to because it would have been easy enough, I'm sure. I've been like, if, if I bet if I had thrown a little pity party 
and be like, I don't want to be in a book with you and Jay that, um, you know, you would have like, let me write a bonus chapter or something like that. And I could have put my name on it as well. But as we talked about, we're not in this for the fame. We want the deal flow. Yeah. And so I get to participate on the deal flow that comes through that book because we're business partners um, in the same way that, that you'll be participating on the deal flow that comes from this. So I think it's exactly. so important. Uh, and especially, this is not the topic of today's episode, but it is so important, especially in business partnerships, that you are clear on what is the goal that everybody's looking to achieve. And you just let ego just sit over there by itself and be the little, you know, toddler crybaby uh, that it is. Um, because I think, I think had we done that. Partners wrote a whole book on that called Ego is the Enemy. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And, and so I, I just... It, it's like, I mean, I, I think the point, and we've said this, when we try to write a book together, it still isn't done. We yeah. said, let's go ahead and get these books knocked out separately. Both get done. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think that's, that's the most important thing. And then we get to benefit from them, not just in the awareness that it creates for our respective brands um, that all again, funnel um, that, that kind of is that high tide that rises our collective ships. Not only do we get to benefit from the deal flow that it that it creates, but we also get to benefit from the idea sharing, which is what now everybody else gets to listen to. Because in the previous episode, you you broke down your philosophy and, and your strategy for how you wanted to do the business wealth without risk book launch. Yep. Um, and it's obviously worked, right? I mean, it, it there's no doubt that 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 worked. And we talked about in the previous episode. You know, are there some things you wish you'd done differently from a scheduling perspective? Sure, but the strategy worked. Yeah. So let's talk um, about here why this book. What what is the objective of the book? Because I think that's always the place to start. What did you want from doing it? Yeah. So the the objective to this book, uh, you know, for this book is so if we're going to talk about from a pure business perspective to generate leads for Scalable's flagship services, where at the Scalable Company we help. Uh, entrepreneurs, small business owners, systemize, operationalize, install an operating system in their business so their business can scale without them. Now, um, why do we want to do that? Right? Why do we want to help businesses install operating systems so their business can scale without them? Uh, because then their businesses are more sellable and perhaps we can be a part of the scaling and the selling slash exiting of that business. So everything that we do is in service of deal flow, uh, is in service of the uh, investing private equity side of the game. Uh, but okay. this is first and foremost to generate those kinds of leads, those kind of, which is a different reader than the folks that you were targeting with the book with Jay. Yeah. Um, we're really targeting with this book, people who are in that two to let's say 12 million is kind of the sweet spot revenue range. Um, and maybe their profits are super constrained, maybe even non-existent at this point in time. Um, and they're in that gross, messy middle of a swamp of scale. Uh, we want to target those folks so that we can help them scale in showing value, uh, maybe get to work together uh, when they're on this, you know, hopefully on the other side or close to the other side of the of this swamp of scale. I like it. So um, the the end result is deal flow, but there's a few steps in between. I, I, I want to talk about something because... Um, there are other people that have a model of, well, if you're looking for deal flow, why don't you just give away all this stuff for free? And, um, and then let the deal flow come from it. And the deal flow will 
you'll reach way more people that way and therefore you'll have greater deal flow. And ultimately, if you're truly looking for deals, then that's the way to do it. Why do we choose not to do it that way? Because the way that humans show commitment is in their uh, calendars and in their wallets. Uh, I mean, and, and so the idea that somebody is going to commit, be committed enough to want to bring you in as a business partner or as an investor, um, that's a big commit. I mean, that's as close in the business world as you can get to marriage. Yeah. And so to do that, there needs to be some micro commitments along the way. And if you give everything away for free, then you're going to get micro commitments from the people who do actually spend an enormous amount of time to consume that content. The challenge that we found is that a lot of times the people who are willing to spend a lot of time to consume the content are your DIY folks. Yeah. These are not the people who are necessarily going to want to bring you in. Yeah. These are the people who are going to want to try to figure it out so they can do it themselves. And God love them. I fall in that camp a lot of times, not most of the time, but enough. Um, I can appreciate it, but they're the ones that, that were less likely. Um, the folks, though, the, the simplest way to get somebody to make a commitment is to get them to make a small investment. And we've seen this time and time and time again, and it doesn't have to be much. Somebody can invest just a few bucks. Um, but if you, the second somebody gets out their wallet, second somebody gets out their credit card, there is a, a fundamental relationship shift that has taken place. They're no longer just a fan. They're no longer just a consumer of content. They're now a customer. They're now a client. And that shift is really important. Uh, and that shift now begins a relationship where they can make uh, ever-increasing investments to where now, I mean, we have people that we've been working with who we've who have been giving us through consulting, uh, through masterminds, through the advisory services that we've offered them. They may have given us hundreds of thousands of dollars over a period of years and have been thrilled to do it. And so then one day to say, you know, hey, what if we were just to be business partners? That's a tiny little leap. Then, yeah. uh, you know, I read your book, I watch your YouTube video, I've been following you on TikTok, TikTok, you know, by my company. I'm not saying that it can't work. We obviously have a, a good friend who that is his whole entire model. Yeah. But if you're gonna go that route, boy, you gotta be doing a massive scale. I, I mean, you have to be so wide, cast such a broad net for the law of large numbers to kind of work out for you. Yeah. Um, that that just becomes a business unto itself almost. It, so it it's does. Like, and, and I think it, it, it is, it is a business into itself for us as well. But to me, you can eat your cake and have it too, because you, all the things that you said help all, all of that experience of having an actual business relationship really lets you see a lot more about somebody to know if you want to be in business with them in the first place. But let's say that that's a BS reason. Let's say that it's it's not. I know it's not. And I know let's you know just, it's not. Let's yeah, disregard but, everything else and just say yeah. it is also possible to build multiple eight-figure businesses, adding tremendous value to people, getting them to act more intentionally and consistently on the value that you're given because it's not given away for free because free typically is valued at nothing or less by people. It's valued who, at the price people pay. <laughs> right, who don't pay for yeah. it, and we also have the opportunity to create eight-figure businesses plus in the process. So, you know, to me, it's kind of like we get to monetize all along the way and effectively get paid to source deals. We know that very few deals that we actually want to do will come through the machine. Um, we don't want to have a big 
deal vetting machine that we build as much as we want to just have the people that we've had a a chance to have some business experience with before we get to the point of maybe possibly working with them. And so it's just a different business model, but I really like it because we're building uh, income and wealth while finding the people that we want to build income and wealth together with. And I really getting like paid to do due diligence. Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, and you also find out who's actually going to implement, who's going to take your advice. Yes. Um, who's a good business I, partner. Yeah. Who's going to be yeah. a good business partner. I think a lot of it comes down to, um, there was a time when offering courses, offering coaching, offering consulting, offering masterminds was seen as a show of lesser value because it was largely done by hucksters, gypsies, tramps, and thieves. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Some of the early people who are out there slanging courses, um, they didn't always have the best intentions. They weren't always the most professional. And let's be honest, a lot of them weren't real business people. A lot of those folks who were selling courses had only ever made any money teaching other people, uh, selling courses on how to teach people how to sell courses, selling courses, and it became this kind of gross, incestuous sort of thing. And so that became the brand around it. Post-2020, when cohort-based courses and you know, we're in a world where LinkedIn learning is now, gosh, 20, almost 20 years old. You know, Udemy is a $750 million publicly traded company. Coursera um, is a billion dollar company. There's an acceptance of at-home training. You don't have the same stigma around course sales to where it's going to be, it's going to hurt your brand. It might with some, but not with most yeah. uh, to where the uh, benefits would outweigh it. And that's definitely not the case with, you know, now consulting and, doing some type of coaching services, uh, some of the largest companies in the world are consulting and service-based companies. So, um, but I do believe that there are some people who bring a legacy stigma to it. That's why they don't want to do it. Uh, I just think it's, you know, I think it's their own head junk. Uh, We haven't seen it in practice. We have not. So, okay, let's, let's get to the book. So we know now you want to do it to help, uh, build awareness uh, and sell the operating system and also ultimately generate deal flow. What is the book launch thesis and process? Yeah, I, I should say that's the primary. Um, a secondary is also, uh, is also a brand play. And so both in terms of wanting to carve out a little bit of space in the operating system world. I mean, currently, the number one, like the de facto leader, if you're going to talk about a business operating system is EOS is traction, you know, our buddy, Gino Wickman. Um, and who so the intro, who wrote the preface to our book. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think this is important, you know, is that a competing book and a competing concept? Sure. Um, will people buy both books? Absolutely. Will some people prefer his, you know, the, you know, EOS to the scalable operating system? Yep. Will others prefer both? Sure. Like, so we don't have, a scarcity mindedness around this at all. That being said, we need to make it known to the world, hey, there's another operating system for, you know, framework out there. And yeah. so if you try this one and it didn't work for you, maybe this one will. And it doesn't mean that they're bad or stupid or dumb or we don't like them. Look at um, both and see which is the best fit, right? Bango. And so, you know, so we, so a lot of it is carving out a space in the business operating system world, um, but also the decision to call it Get Scalable. Look, that is not the sexiest title in the world. You know, business wealth without risk. I know how to write a headline. You know, I, I can write some copy. Business wealth without risk is a heck of a lot better headline than get scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do we have get scalable? Because 
there is a sense there where we want to establish scalable as a brand. We have Get Scalable, the event. Um, so Get Scalable Live. The Get Scalable Accelerator is the flagship program. So a lot of this is also beginning to build some brand around the scalable terminology. And we're willing to sacrifice um, a little, you know, maybe some conversion rate on the front end to people who don't know us to begin to own the word scalable. Yeah. Like that is one of our goals. We want in the, in the same at digitalmarketer.com, we wanted to own digital marketing. We wanted to own the term. We really want to own the term scalable, not necessarily scale, but scale able. So that's a very kind of, you know, strategic intent around the titling of it. And then the subtitle, you know, the operating system, your business needs to run without you. We've got operating system in there. That connection works. So I just wanted to say from a goal perspective, that's the reason. Um, so do you want to get into the, you asked about the launch. You want to get into that? What, what's, what, what's the plan? So what's the goal of the launch? Like, or, or, let's say there's a launch period. What is the yeah. period and what is the goal? So the goal is actually not to launch. And I think that this is an important and it's an intentional, um, it's an intentional strategy shift that I, I want to try because I've got a hypothesis and I think it'll work. Okay. Um, we'll see. And again, this is the benefit to us doing two different things and trying stuff out. It's the benefit to listen to the, you know, business launch podcast. You get, we'll get to reflect back and see in a year if this worked or not. But when, when I analyzed all of the best-selling books that have been kind of that perennial bestseller, like they've stayed on the top of the charts. When I went back and looked, pretty much none of them had a launch in the way that we launch books now. Yeah. Now you could say they didn't know and had they done it, it would have worked even better. Correlation is not equal causation, uh, I, I submit. But when I thought about these books, it, they, they got where they got because they just were always there. They just, you just, it was just almost of not, it was like that itch, like that the little hum in the background that you couldn't get rid of. Yeah, I think it's, it's word of mouth primarily. Like if, if you yeah. write a good book and market it consistently and it's great, then the word of mouth is what causes it to catch fire. And I know um, Ken Blanchard launched the One Minute Manager after he'd sold, I want to say two or 300,000 copies of it uh, because it was a great little uh, fable type book, right? But, uh, well, actually that was who, who moved my cheese, I guess. The, the One Minute Manager was a great little, just, I mean, you could, I read the first one in the bookstore, right? I was in the bookstore and I was like, I read the whole book. Oh, wow. I, you know, and, but I was like, that was really good. So I still bought it and I still recommended it to lots of people. Um, but he got published after having sold a ton of copies of the book. I was talking to Jay the other day, Stephen Covey with the seven habits. That book was out there for over a year before it really caught on. And, um, and I think that's, that's what happened. So I think what you're saying has a whole lot of merit. It's you're going to miss the big awareness push to hopefully kind of kickstart the word of mouth, but ultimately the quality of the book is what's going to keep it up there. And it's going to be word of mouth. I think more than any, and campaign or promo. And that's the entire strategy is how do you engineer word of mouth referability? Yep. And so the whole goal of the book is not to, to, uh, to write a book that gets bought. It's not to write a book that gets read. It's to write a book that gets referred. Yep. And so that's why if somebody's thinking in terms of operating system, or if somebody mentions, you know, traction is, Ooh, you should read this one too. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the category that I want it to occupy. Um, but I think if it went out there in a launch, 
it would have a splash and people would talk about it. But, you know, we got a mutual friend, Alex Ramosi. Alex Ramosi, he did this massive book launch, mm-hmm. sold upteen hundreds of thousands of copies of this book. Yep. But kind of everybody talks about it, screams about it. And then to continue talking about it two weeks later, you almost feel weird. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know about it. Everybody's yeah. heard about it. So to continue to talk about the thing that everybody already knows about, now referring that book, talking about that book is actually a show of lesser value. I get a reduction in status if I talk about something that everybody knows about. But if I know something that you maybe don't know, I'm incentivized to tell you. So if I, ask, so, you, if I ask you right now, um, what are three books, like the, the top three books you would recommend to me for business? What would you say? I the top three books for, just uh, for business at large? Business. Um, I mean, yeah, traction would be one of them uh, that, that would get recommended a lot. Um, probably like, you know, good to great. Um, I mean, there's other ones that I like that, that aren't as recommended as often, but like when I, if so, if somebody asks you that question, do you recommend you just said, or do you recommend those that not a lot of people have heard of that? No, yeah. I recommend art of profitability, which nobody's talked about. I recommend the goal, which people heard about 20 years ago, but now nobody has, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend the obscure ones that you haven't heard about. Yeah. So that's, that's how I look smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and same here. You do a podcast interview and people, everybody and their brother is going to say, oh, think and grow rich and how to win friends and influence people. You know, like, okay, great. Uh, You know, everybody has already heard that. What can you add additional value? What's the one that I keep in my pocket that I, you know, kind of, I want to tell you about, but I also don't want to tell you about, you know? So for me, it's like black box thinking is like that. The goal is like that. There's, There's those books that, that, you read and have huge breakthroughs as a result of reading. And then you want to share those and you also want to be different. So I like your strategy from, okay, what's the book that not everybody's heard about. That's the under the radar. That's this one. That's get scalable, man. That I, I read that and it changed my whole operating system. Yeah, don't, don't, I, like I mean, if you read that one too, but man, you got to read this one. Yeah. So the entire strategy is built around engineering referability. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is don't launch. Don't make a big splash. Let it be everybody's dirty little secret. Um, but my, but the the way that I'm looking to do this is I want to do a hundred podcast interviews over a hundred days. Yeah. Now some of them will drop at the same time. Uh, I'd like to have about thirty of those happen during pre-launch, uh, and have the the other sixty happen, and then never stop promoting it. Yeah. You know, for at least I'm seeing this launch as being um, fifteen months. Okay. So you got a hundred podcasts. Uh, that's a hundred hours. Let's call it of your time directly. Um, what period of time are you going to do the hundred podcasts over? That'll happen over about a six month period. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not, I, I was like, man, that sounds awful. <laughs> You're going to spend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, so some of them have already happened, but I'm oh. telling people don't release it until here. Got it. Okay, good. Right. And so engineering, which ones are going to drop during, um, you know, which ones are going to drop during pre-launch. Yeah. Which ones are going to go there and trying to coordinate that. And look, same like affiliates. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But the nice thing about podcasts is people want to interview you. And if you got a book, like they're, they're happy to do it. So I didn't have to beg people, Hey, will you mail my book? Yeah. It's just, you know, I'll, you- people ask me all the time. Can I, you know, can you come on my podcast? Yep. But I'm not going to talk about marketing. I'm going to talk about this. And you can't release the podcast until these dates. Is that okay? 
Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's the whole thing there. It is the non-launch launch. It is like, let's have it be the thing that, because um, when I think about the books that really took off, that's what happened. I remember when you looked really, really, really cool um, because we knew about the four-hour work week and nobody else did. Yeah. Because what was Tim Ferriss doing back then? Tim right. Ferriss was doing hundreds of interviews with anybody who could who, who would do an interview with him. Yeah. Um, and I just haven't seen anybody go and execute that. And when I think about the pressure of a launch week, it's make or break. I mean, you know, you said it in the previous uh, podcast that we did, uh, previous episode, you know, you had to make it work because it was launch week. And it yeah. didn't matter that you had 15 events that same week, yeah. you know, and that you hadn't slept. And then you had, like, you had to make it work because by God, that was launch week. Yeah. And there's something really powerful and magical about that, that I wouldn't discount. Yeah. It's a beautiful forcing function to get people to mail. Um, and it may turn out that this doesn't work at all, but if it doesn't work, it will not have worked because the book just didn't hold up. Yeah. Right. It'll just be that like the book wasn't good enough, uh, to be referable. Yeah. If that's the case, it'll obviously be disappointing. But I feel like that's something I can control. That's what works so hard to make sure that it was an amazing book to so make sure that there, the tools. Is there any other strategy or device that you're using or tactic to get referrals for the book? Um, so I heard about aside, it on the podcast. I bought it. Now what? We're going to do um, advertising in Amazon for the books that we want to sell up against. I'm calling anything in favors. inside the book to encourage people to refer. We don't have anything inside the book to encourage people to refer. In retrospect, that would have been smart, um, but we we didn't. We can that's, we can build some of those elements. Do what? That's what second printings are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can do another print run for sure. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, really like, if you if you had the ability to, like, you could just use one of those like referral candy or something like that, and say, yeah. listen. Um, here are benefits because I'm guessing there's a resources site that supports the book too, right? So yep. come here to get the resources. Now you go there and it's like, hey, here's the resources that you get, but kind of like Morning Brew and a lot of the newsletters do, if Ooh. you refer, right? Maybe you just put Sparkloop on it and say, you know, if you refer three people to the book, then you get these additional benefits and so on and so forth. Thousand percent, we're going to do that. And we all can the do way that. up to a thousand referrals gets you a tour of the. Uh, of the scalable facility and, you know, a private consult with Ryan about your operating system or something like that. If you sell, here's the deal I'm going to make. If you, if you sell a thousand books, then you get five minutes of uninterrupted eye contact with Roland Frazier. I like it. I have a, a an AI avatar that can, that can do that. Absolutely. I like that. I, I will tell you in, in all seriousness, um, it, when you ask about strategies to encourage referability, a lot of this is what I didn't do. Yeah. So in the book, there is no forward. Uh, and, and so I know I could have gone out to any one of our, you know, famous friends with fancy names and got them to write a forward for the book. But then the forward would have been that other thing that I, that I know people, like, I'm sure that Tony wrote a phenomenal forward for the book, Business Wealth Without Risk. I mean, it's Tony, right? Like, that's a good get. Like, uh -huh. you can get Tony to write your forward. You, you let Tony write your forward. But I didn't want to have anything in between um the somebody opening the book well there's a table of contents and then there's the offer you know there's the it's it's literally you know the offers on the in the flap so okay. you don't have to buy the book to do it um 
but there is the table of contents with the offer right next to it. And then you turn the page and you're in it. Yeah. Like you are reading the book because I want people to make that micro commitment of, okay, I read the book. So there's no forward uh, by anybody else. It's just straight into it as soon as you get there. And again, that was very intentional. That was by design because if somebody actually read the book, they're more likely to refer it. Yeah, I read it. So I like it. So that's that particular, um, so that, that's a strategy and we'll see how it goes. It's a long-term strategy. You know, if we look back 12 months from now and you can't find the book anywhere on any category, everybody can point back to this episode and go, wow, Ryan, you sure were a miserable failure with that book. You must've written a crappy book, but hopefully we look back and, it, and it's a consistent, you know, consistently ranked, um, in the categories that we're living in. Will it in. be, uh, released on Amazon as an ebook also? Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing, hardback, paperback, uh, audio, audible version and uh, Kindle, every single format. Um, because I think a hardback book is something that's nice to gift and refer as that kind of increased status type type piece. Yep. But I also know some people would rather just get the paperback. So every format under the sun, it's more expensive. It's a bigger pain in the butt, but, um, are you, but again, it's all you about order them or do, are you having them print on demand? No, so we so we ordered them. Um, we went through uh, Ingram Spark, yep. and so a let's see, this is a two hundred. Uh, we're we looking at two hundred and twelve page hardback book with a dust jacket and a printed cover, so that if you lose the dust jacket, the, the cover's the same. Yeah. Um, and I want to say it's like two between two fifty and three dollars. For that, ordering thousands of them at a time, you know, their order. I think to get that pricing, it was like three thousand. It might have been twenty five hundred, maybe it was thousands, but not like ten thousand. So we we opted for no inventory. We just basically ours are print on demand from Amazon, which we were looking at them the other day, and it's funny because depending on where Amazon gets them printed, some of them are like this thick, and some of them are like this thick. some of them are printed on almost cardstock. Some of them are printed on other things. All of them really good, though. Really happy with it. But um, that's another strategy. So we were not required to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get, uh, you know. And it's a, like I said, it's a 450 page book, roughly. So it's it's a lot of money to get something like that printed. So that's something else for you guys that are watching and listening to think about. Is Ingram was the other place we priced. Ingram's price was within a few cents of Amazon's author price for when we want to buy them ourselves. Um, obviously we sacrifice the profit on the book, but we're not writing books for profit. None of the books that Ryan and I write are to make money off the book. They're all no. towards the back towards another end. So but, the, other but thing, the paperback is less than two bucks. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Less than two bucks. And so getting that out there, but, but really it, it had more to do with consistency. I mean, we did multiple test print runs to look at paper quality um, yeah. so that it just felt like a really good, we basically took what you would spend to do a launch and said, let's put that into the book itself, into kind of the finished uh, product. The um, getting the, the audio book is getting professionally done, um, you know, which is, it's like 10, 12 grand to get that done well. Yeah. Um, and so that it, it's going to wind up being the same money. It's just put in a different place but it's all informed by the strategy of how do we have a book that where we're optimizing for referability. Yeah, agree. I love it. Well, anything else you think we should share with people before we sign off for this episode? 
No, I mean, I hope what people take from this is that there's not one right way to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's lots of ways to be successful, uh, even in something as specific as a book launch. I think the key is to to know what you want out of it and to be really intentional about your strategy so that you don't get trapped in the middle. Because if you decide that you're going to do a book launch, but you know, you're just going to do some podcasts and you're going to you, you're not blending strategies. You're just kind of doing a crappy book launch. Okay. So I think, I think that's the important thing. There's not one right way to do it, but know the way you want to do it and be intentional. I love it. And if you guys enjoyed this episode of Business Lunch, please share it with a friend. Um, this is part two of a two-part on book launches, how we did two different launches, two different ways. Um, there are lots of other ways as well. So um, hopefully you guys will find something good in both of these things. And thank you for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time on Business Lunch. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? 
What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. 